I'm Judy Perlman, and this is Meet the Problem Solvers. On each episode, we bring in a guest or two guests to help us uh, explore a complicated and important social issue. Um, and we've had some really interesting conversations. I'm very, very uh, honored to be bringing tonight's topic and tonight's guests um, to, to this table. Our guests are Anne-Marie. Oh, let me just talk about what we're talking about. We're talking about suicide. We're talking about suicide and we're talking about innovative approaches to improve the healing and improve the lives of people who are affected by suicide. This is a very serious topic, but we've been laughing all the time talking about it, so, you know, stay with us. My guests are Anne-Marie Matulis. Anne-Marie chairs the American Association of Suicidology's Impacted Family and Friends Committee. She's also the co-creator and the developer of the Peer-to-Peer -peer Wellness Check Workshop Series. Tracy Medeiros, didn't I do that well? Did that yeah. Well. did that very well. Tracy Medeiros is a suicide attempt survivor, and she is the co-creator with Anne-Marie of the Peer-to-Peer -peer Wellness Check Workshop Series. Did I say that all okay? Yeah. Close yeah. enough, close oh, yeah. enough. Mm. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about. Let's dive right in. Sure. So the first question was sort of, what prompted you to come to this work? Uh, I have 30 years in public health and ended up doing some work with the Department of Mental um, Public Health here in Massachusetts for suicide. And in the process of that work, discovered that there was this huge black hole out there for resources for suicide attempt survivors. And as a result of, of talking with a couple of other attempt survivors, in addition to Tracy, we decided, we thought we were gonna do a five minute video. Um, and we ended up in 2013 into 2014, creating a documentary called A Voice at the Table. It was a call to action to bring the voice of suicide attempt survivors to the, the, the education and awareness table. Attempt survivors have been used for decades for research, but they weren't welcome to the table. And their voice is so important to inform prevention work, um, workshops, trainings, uh, so that, so we got into this, little, what we thought was this little video that was gonna go up on YouTube, ended up being a 35-minute uh, documentary. Uh, re it received um, honorable mention at the SAMHSA Voice Awards in 2015. Mm -hmm. and, and the hope was to he encourage attempt survivors to let their voices be heard. That is not easy. It's still not easy today. I wish it was, but attempt survivors still feel very judged, um, that there's a great deal of discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, people can lose their jobs, frankly, because there's really? a lack, because there's mm -hmm. a lack of, they feel, people might think there's liability there, a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation. And so we got, so what happened is in the production of that, in post-production, so we're sitting in a, a room right now, and, and in post-production, I, I would go back and talk to Tracy and say, well, you all keep saying that there were no resources for you. So, well, we've got to do something about that. And so we started talking about doing um, like a wellness check workshop because mm -hmm. they're, they're further along the healing path. They didn't need to be in clinical treatment anymore necessarily, but something just to check in to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay or I'm not doing okay. But it needed to be something more. It needed to be something that would improve the quality of life. So we created some exercises. Talk about being in the film and about doing part of the, the, not being willing to do the workshop. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I, I really didn't want any part of being, you know, a part of the, the filmmaking at all. Because um, I felt, you know, really less than, you know, whereas the other folks in there, the, you know, they had higher titles, you know. I, I looked at it that it was like a title thing, and I felt like, you know, that they didn't want to hear my voice. You know, maybe they want to hear someone that's a journalist or they want to hear someone that's a, a photographer or, you know, or an author, you know, and, and not somebody, you know, you know, the average me, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just how I felt. I felt a little less than. And, and so what we did with yeah. that is I asked her to be There's involved in reluctantly, I mean, kicking and screaming. She shared her story. It turned out to be the most profound of all four. Um, because they wanted to, uh, we found that the response we got from attempt survivors was uh, nothing negative about the other three who participated, hmm. but they identified more with Tracy. I have seen the film, and actually we're going to show a little picture of the, the front page of the film a little bit later, but I just want to say I learned so much about what it is to, to be a, a suicide attempt survivor. It kind of it's so strange, but it's almost like it just be, I guess it's just becomes like a secret shame fact that people don't, now you're not doing, you're not living that way anymore. But in the olden days, it was probably just kind of like, oh yes, you know, Aunt Bertha went away for a couple of months or something. Right. Yeah. And so you're bringing it out, you're bringing out your stories. And what you're also saying is you're bringing attempt survivors together in new ways, and that is just amazing. And I mean, if we're talking about what the problem is, so part of the problem is attempt survivors not getting support, mm -hmm. not getting right. a chance to tell their stories, yep. not getting a chance to, to connect, not, and not giving a chance to lead and to help others. Absolutely. I mean, you're a very wise woman, Tracy, and you have gone through some stuff and I, I know that you work as a therapist or, or a counselor and you do groups and all kinds of things. Amazing that, you know, probably what, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, there wouldn't no. have been a place like that for you. No, not at all. It's, uh, it's completely a different world now um, where, you know, we use our lived experience to help the, the folks, you know, who have a hard time you know, we give them the tools that they need, you know, to set them on their way. I mean, at least that's what I do on my job. Mm -hmm. You know, I have specific groups that I have, um, you know, that I've made um, accordingly to the, to the weeks. And, um, you know, we go through them. You know, with them. You mean you kind of have a schedule? Of I have what a schedule. The, what the topic yeah. is going to be? be? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like one day it might be like we'll learn about anger, you know, mm -hmm. and how can we resolve anger, you know, and, and, then, and then it's like what are the coping skills for anger, you know? Those are some of the groups that I run at the crisis unit. That's really interesting. So let's talk about what brought us together. Yes. Because I, first of all, this is Suicide Prevention Month, right? This it's is the, the last, last day, day of, of September. Yeah. September is Suicide Prevention Month. And as part of highlighting the month, there was a piece on WBUR that spoke to something quite innovative. Talk about out of the box. 
that the two of you have started and launched and it started small and now it's getting big. So why don't you put us in the picture of that one? Um, it's called the Re-Energize and Reconnect Wellness Check Workshop. And that's, so back in 2013, that's what Tracy and I worked on. And I have to tell you, it started out like this. Uh -huh. Right, and then it went to here, and then it went to there, and then it went to here. <laughs> yeah. You know, so now it's a nice little narrow. And what it is, it's a series of exercises that we would all have to do. Um, attempt survivors um, will be very open and honest that they tend to defer dreams after the attempt. Mm -hmm. There's a whole, a whole series of guilt and, and lack of self-esteem and, oh, I can't do that. Um, and so we used that. We found out, by the way, it became very universal in the other workshops that we were doing too. And we talk about the anger and, and dealing with it. Um, there are some people who call it a hit list, um, but it's, a, it's a, a list of all the people that didn't believe and didn't support and didn't help. The toughest one we do is forgiveness because it has to start with self. And so we put that all together. Um, and what BUR talked about was that they came down, and because we had been talking about a year about that, is how unique it is and how groundbreaking it was. Because there was nothing, and we're literal when we say this, this is absolutely the truth. We researched for months on end to find something that was like this, not only in the country, in the world. Wow. And there wasn't. Um, so we said, well, we'll do it. So we did this little, little thing and it worked and, and it went al along its way. Um, what happened was that uh, lost survivors, I, I do grief support for lost survivors too, I'm a lost survivor, um, and they happened to look at it one night over my shoulder and said, well, can we do that? And so we set up two separate workshops on the same night in the same place because we live in this huge place. I was on one side of the house, she was on the other side. Right, and we would facilitate with that. And then one night, nobody's great idea, um, Tracy had started coloring, so she was at, at the main table. Everybody else just came in and sat down because that's where the snacks were. And I sort of did, I'm the no fun lady, and I sort of said, you know, we need to get started, assuming that the lost survivors get up and walk off and to the other room, mm -hmm. and they never did. And I thought, okay, and I just stood there. Mm -hmm. Um, Tracy picked up the exercise which happened to be Dreams Matter, or also known as Unfinished Symphonies, mm -hmm. and she shared about her, the things that she had always wanted to do, the wicked awesome wish list that they had, and the person sitting next to her happened to be a lost survivor, and so he started talking about it. And the person next to him happened to be an attempt survivor, and so she started talking about it, and I thought, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. And I just stood back, made sure they all did the snacks and they were doing things, made sure they went around. Mm -hmm. Two hours later, we were done. And it was goosebump time. I mean, you knew something magical had just happened. And they looked at each other and they went, wow, what did we just do? Can we do that again? So it's an amazing story. Just to tell everybody, this is Meet the Problem Solvers. I'm Judy Perlman. My guests are Tracy Medeiros and Anne-Marie Matulis, and they are here talking about suicide and talking about their organic, unplanned, unbelievable moment of creating an integrated approach that brings people who have attempted suicide and those who have lost someone to suicide together for mutual support, understanding, teaching, growing, 
improving one's life. And, and I will say something else that I think is really important that I got in preparation for this show was that it's, also, it's often not about a single act. It's also people live with people who are, who are suicidal. Yes. And that's another kind of stress and strain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm throwing all those topics back in your directions, whether we talk about the families and friends piece or yeah. whatever we want to talk about. Where do you want to go? Families and friends first, then sure. you can jump in, because yeah. you always want to set the table. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. F first of all, just look at Anne-Marie's t-shirt for a minute. Impacted family and friends of loved ones with suicidal experiences. See all the little people? See all the little people? All the little people? <laughs> Question we usually get is who is an impacted family member? Who is an impacted family Right. Okay. Just mm -hmm. a, millions of people, and I'll guarantee even within the studio, if everybody could hear us, we'd see some hands go up and go, yummy. So it means you have been emotionally impacted by the suicidal crisis of someone very, very close to you. It could be family or close friends. We hear this a lot from college pe people who knew someone in college and they're still friends and they still worry about them. So what, does the, what is the impact? We try not to narrowly define it because it gets, it needs, it's a broad stroke. It's a suicide attempt survivor, someone who um, non-suicidal self-injury, that means NSSI, that means the cutting and the burning that can happen, mm -hmm. ends up in the emergency room. There is a whole population of people out there, and, and we know you're out there, who have chronic suicidal thinking. Mm -hmm. So they may never attempt, they, they might end up in an emergency room, or may never, um, but the, that, that constant thinking is still there. Um, we, that we would logically think if, if we got a flat tire, we would probably call AAA or do something. Someone with chronic suicidal thinking would say, I'll buy new tires, only one flat, I'll buy a new car, or I'll kill myself. Now, they won't take action on that. But if you are the family member of someone who, who suffers through that, that is just really exhausting. Eating disorders that lead to suicidal thinking, opiate issues that lead to suicidal thinking, um, one of the new ones we're working in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, problem gambling and suicide, yeah. and in the, in the ripple effect impact that has on the family. What happens is the impacted family member becomes frozen in time, paralyzed and frozen, can't move, want to quit the job, cancel the vacation a year from now. <clears throat> that hypervigilance is deadly. And so what we designed is because that's me. I'm the impacted family member. Um, I, when we were doing this back in 2013, I had already found a path to a pretty emotionally balanced spiritual path to take. But I had to sit back and say, well, what about those who don't have that? Mm -hmm. So we created another workbook. Um, in, it's called, Is This the Night? Be and that says it all. Is this, is this, the, is night? the night? Mm -hmm. Is this the night? Um, and w so we pulled that together too. So the, we call it Blended Hearts because the ultimate goal was Tracy's idea. What do you think should happen with all of three of us? That we all come together and sit together at the same table because we're all gonna learn from one another. You know, you have the impacted person, you have the um, attempt survivor, and you have the loss survivor. And all three of us together, sitting at that one table, mm -hmm. we can all heal and learn and grow just from hearing one another's lived experience. Wow. 
Wait, who are the three people? There's the attempt survivor, survivor the lost survivor, survivor. And the impacted family. The impacted family member. Yeah. Got it. Or a close friend. Yeah. Or a close friend. Yeah. Who just never left, just stayed there to help and support, not knowing yeah. what to do. And as we were talking about before the show, sometimes being that impacted family member, nobody really asks after you. And so you may have reverberating experiences down the road a decade hence, yep. and it's like, what's that, what's that all That's about? Secondary post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Wow. And it happens initially. So when we talk about numbers, and I'm not going to, but we know that sure, you know. when there is a, a suicide loss, that there's the immediate family and then there's the ripple effect that goes mm -hmm. out. Up to 135 people are impacted by that, traumatized emotionally. With an attempt survivor, the numbers we know are much higher. Um, and so what happens is that inner circle has reality post-traumatic stress. No one tells you that. No one gives you help for it. Most, most medical doctors, even clinicians, don't know how to deal with that. They were never taught to deal with this particular population. Talk about marginalized. But then the, when you're in the secondary group, that's secondary post-traumatic stress. Now, that's not as lethal as PTSD can be in, in what it takes away from your life. But you just don't feel okay. Or you might just cry or get angry over nothing. And then it will go away, so you just dismiss it. Well, the problem is, if it's left unaddressed over a period of time, it will manifest itself into major issues, which could be depression and could be suicidal thinking. Wow. And wonder where it came from. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there it is, going back, if you trace it back, to that yes, triggering, right. that triggering yeah. event. Yeah. Absolutely. So we didn't even talk about this, really, to talk about it on the show, but I would just like to say, I would just like to say, these two women just got back from Ireland, <laughs> where they were presenting on this groundbreaking peer-to-peer -peer empowerment support model and the, and the workbooks and the, and the tactics and the tools. They were presenting at an international conference on suicide. And the way Anne-Marie put it to me was she was saying, I didn't even really go to that many workshops. I knew that if I sat and made myself available, people would come to me, mm. and that I that was kind of the right thing for me to do. And why don't you tell us a little bit about how that went for you? It went that we had people anywhere from, the, the conference was in Derry, London, Derry, Northern Ireland. We had people come to the table, it was Tracy and I covered it most of the time, and she went up and did her little tourist walking while I stayed. Um, <laughs> But no guilt. But no guilt. No, no guilt. No guilt trip. No. Of she, not. No. She. I, I was thrilled about that because she's healing from her concussion, and that really did help for her to be able to do that. But people not only came to the table to ask about how how did you do that, they were blown away that we had attempt survivors and lost survivors further along the healing path at the same table. Because you take a country like Northern Ireland, they can't even talk about it. The the residual trauma from the troubles has a, a whole generation conditioned not to talk about anything. Negative consequences happen when you do that. So they're trying to just help these young people stay alive. But it was from Northern Ireland to Sweden to the Netherlands um, to the UK, Philippines. Philippines wanted me to come home with them. <laughs> I said, I'd love to, you know, love to, but, you know, I have this thing called a day job. 
Uh, and it's because, um, it, and, and they would use words that I'm, I'm not sure I like apply, but they said the courage to be able to do that. But it was no one's great idea. It happened organically. Um, but that we've been able to break that ice, I don't believe that we have the answer. This workshop is helpful and beneficial. We've got seven years of field tested. It's been evaluated. It is best practices. It's evidence-based. But with that said, we're hoping it's the door opener because there are, if people will put their heads to it, they'll expand on it or they'll yeah. come up with something we didn't even think of. Right. And that would be incredible because the ultimate goal is to improve quality of life so we don't have to have conversations about suicide. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really shouldn't have to have like conversations about suicide, but it's like, it's like, yeah, we really do. Because um, a lot of people, they don't get it. Um, they don't get why we do the things that we do or think the way that we think, you know. But folks have to understand that we're in such a, a dark space, like I call it like tunnel vision. It's like the small. And it's, it's like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And, and it's not like you're blaming someone. It's like you're thinking less than. You know, my family would be better off without me. You know, like, so they'll cry for a little bit and then they'll get over it. Not really fully understanding the whole scope of what's, what will really happen. And that's what happened to me when I listened to a loss survivor. And, you know, it still gives me chills today because I, I am incredibly um, grateful just to hear her story and to, um, I feel like she saved my life. You know, I felt like she was talking to me. She was, you know, telling her story about losing her son, Adam, to suicide. And I really felt her pain. And the whole time that I'm listening to her story, I'm saying to myself, my God, my God, like, I almost did that to my family. Like, is it really like that bad? Like, you know, because you're not, you're not fully, you know, you're not there. You know, you're not well, you're not at your best. And, and it's just like, um, I'm very, very grateful, you know, that I'm even still here because I still listen to her in my head. I can hear her story repeated over and over again in my head. I mean, because I still get suicidal thoughts. They're not going to go away. Doctors never told me that they're going to come back. You know, I thought, okay, I'll be, on, yeah. I'll be on medication. I'll be okay. You know, yeah. no. You know, I still, I still have the suicidal thoughts. Yeah. There are two things I really want to make sure that we do before we end the show. Number sure. one is to really... Um, emphasize that the work that you do is is dealing with people who are further away yes. from the triggering event this yes. is not happening with lost survivors in yeah in early grief no. No. let me just say the other thing i want to make sure we do i don't remember what it was oh yes to help viewers and listeners think about what do you do when you have that feeling that someone in your life, a, a friend, a family member, a coworker, mm -hmm. is, 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 is contemplating suicide? What do we do? I think we all get paralyzed. So can you guys just work us through both of those? Yeah. 
um, on the first, it's really it is really important that if someone is early bereaved by the suicide loss, it's really important to get that kind of group and counseling. Um, and and you may do it in a in a group with other loss survivors, or you may go to a clinician. You may go to your faith-based community, but please do address it because we know if you don't, that comes back years later and creates really negative emotional things. Um, so what do you do if someone you see um, is appearing in, in a manner that actually scares you enough that you think they might be suicidal? You have to ask the question directly. Do not tiptoe through the tulips. Don't bounce around the side of it. And so there are lead-ins you can use. Gee, when someone says things like that, whatever was said that led you to be concerned, they, they might be thinking of suicide. Are you thinking about suicide? And that's not, not everybody can say that. The other phrase you might use is, are you thinking of killing yourself? You have to be direct. And I know that scares the hell out of people. You're not going to cause someone to be suicidal. And whatever you do, don't ask them if they're going to hurt themselves. Right. Because they're not going to hurt themselves. They're going to kill themselves. So hurting them, if... If you, if you ask them, you know, if you're going to hurt yourself, that's not the same thing as someone dying by suicide, okay? Um, hurting yourself, it could be because, well, no, I'm not going to hurt myself. Um, I'm not going to cut. I'm not going to burn. Right, but the other thing that you said, Tracy, that was so important was don't say to someone, you're not going to do something. Oh, you're not. You're yeah. not going to do something stupid so that, like hurt yourself, are you? You're not going to kill yourself, are you? That yeah. doesn't give the person any place to go. No, so no. shut them down. Can't shut them down. Yeah. You have to find a way that feels possible yeah. to open the door for them to say something and know that you'll be able to handle it. Whatever they're going to say, you'll be in yeah. connection with them, and you'll take the next step together. And there are plenty of ways that people can find out how to do that. Yeah, right. there, there's education, there's trainings, there's awareness. Yeah. Um, it's it's all over the all over. The, Massachusetts has ten regional coalitions. Hey, guess what? What we, we are now going to do some really fast things with slides, really really fast. So this is the first one. Anything, what did you want to say about the this? The American Association of Suicidology is the oldest organization that deals with suicide research. They are the ones who have picked up the ball and taken these workshops we've told you about and allowed us to go national and international. Great. So yay for them. Okay, so now? A Voice at the Table is a home base. That's a website, avoiceatthetable.org. You can find all kinds of resources about the things that we've been talking about. Perfect. Mm -hmm. That's impacted a million friends. Yay! Yay! If, That's if you feel that you are one and you're interested in, go to a voice at the table and you can reach out to me. And finally, this is Meet the Problem Solvers. Give us your feedback. Give us your ideas. Visit us on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you so much. And thank you both so much. You're welcome. You're welcome.